Let's keep today's show simple. And let's begin by asking you a couple of simple questions. What should the Steelers' anthem policy be? And how would Pittsburgh react if a Steeler took a knee during the anthem or stayed in the locker room? 412-333-WXDX. Or you could tweet me at MarkmanX. People seem very confident that no Steeler would take a knee or stay in the locker room. And so far, none has. I know that players like Marquise Ponce and Ben Roethlisberger have been very outspoken in the locker room that that just wasn't allowed to happen. Does that mean none of the Steelers are socially conscious? No. It means they put the team and their jobs first. They just don't opt to use that platform. But let's play the what-if game. If a Steeler took a knee or stayed in the locker room during the anthem, how would Pittsburgh react? And what should the Steelers' anthem policy be? It's the Mark Madden Show, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. So we got that to talk about from now until the end of time. And we got the Penguins trying to trade Phil Kessel to talk about, which many of you are dismissing as fake news. Thank Trump for that, but it's not fake news, although the key word is try. I see both sides of this story, unlike all the Phil Kessel fanboys. Phil putting his consecutive game streak first is a legit beef as are his practice habits. But on Phil's side of the street, having to prop up a third line for the sake of contrived balance, that's a legit beef. Just put the guy with Gino. What makes the concept of balance so sacred? Yeah, balance worked in 2016, but in 2017, Phil and Gino played together, and Pittsburgh won the Stanley Cup that year too. Josh always said that the coach, Mike Sullivan, doesn't like Gino and Phil out there together defensively. Okay, so tell Carl Hagelin to back check like crazy, or whoever the left wing would be on that line. And why don't you trust Gino defensively? He's been fine in that regard. In fact, more than fine. But the heart of the matter is, Phil isn't ever going to like any coach. And any coach isn't ever going to like Phil. Of course, the big news this weekend is the Champions League final tomorrow, 2 p.m., Liverpool FC versus Real Madrid in Kiev. And I am already defecating Tiffany Cufflinks. It's make or break for the whole weekend. Like tomorrow, the Riverhounds are at home. And if Liverpool win, I will go. I will go and I will drink. But if Liverpool lose, well, I will still drink, but it'll be at home. And there will be a decidedly different tone and one best not shared. So, come on, you Reds. And then I'm at Schultz Ford on Monday, noon till 2. Big sale. Big sale going on at Schultz and free food, too. All that good stuff. 
I'm giving away Clark's tickets. No kidding. Me giving away Clark's tickets. First prize is two Clark's tickets. Second prize is four Clark's tickets. That's at Schultz Ford Monday, Memorial Day. I'll be there from noon till 2. The Stanley Cup Final also starts Monday. Game 1 at Las Vegas. It's the Capitals' star power against the best team in hockey. And Vegas definitely is the best team in hockey. I have never seen a team execute so consistently over the course of the regular season and playoffs and get the most out of their roster. I've never seen a team do all that like Vegas this season. Uh, Gallant has done such a great job coaching. People talk about team chemistry and how important it allegedly is, but Vegas threw a team together and got to the Stanley Cup final in one year. Wow. My pick is Vegas in six, but if it goes to seven, I bet Washington wins. That home team in game seven, that's tough. That's supposed to be the big advantage of getting home ice because you get game seven at home. But ask Tampa Bay about that. Washington scored first, and all the air got sucked out the building. Ask the Penguins. They've had some tough game sevens at home throughout their recent history. Kevin Allen of USA Today did a story about his five favorites for the Conn Smythe Trophy, playoff MVP. He said Marchessault, Carlson, or Kuznetsov could get it, but it's Don DeFlurry or Ovechkin. Whoever's team wins gets playoff MVP. Uh, turning briefly, very briefly to basketball, I hear people say Cleveland is now going to beat Boston twice, including Game 7 on the road, and go to the NBA Finals because LeBron is the best. LeBron number one. And LeBron is the best. But sometimes he tanks. Like he did the last time he knew he wasn't coming back to Cleveland. So let's see what LeBron's effort is like in Game 6, which is tonight at Cleveland at 830. 412-333-9939, the number to call. On this day in 1935, Babe Ruth hit three home runs at Forbes Field right here in Pittsburgh as a member of the Boston Braves. Those were the last three home runs of his career, number 712, 713, and 714. On this day in 1991, the Penguins won their first Stanley Cup. They won 8-0 in Game 6 at Minnesota. By the second period, that game was totally anticlimactic. Matt Murray's birthday today, turns 24, won two Stanley Cups before he turned 23, but that's not good enough for some of you people. I'm pissed it'll probably show during today's broadcast because everyone else in the building, with with a few exceptions, got to leave at 1 p.m. because it's the holiday weekend. Yay, the holiday weekend. All you people who do nothing to bring money into this building, you get to go home early. Meanwhile, I'm the financial anchor of this entire station, but my show starts at 3, so no bonus time off for the super genius. Ah, that's okay. What would I do with an afternoon off besides enjoy it? 
412-333-9939. We got the king of old school, John Steigerwald, at 415. But before that, at 330, from DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Steelers writer Dale Lolly. Steelers OTAs at the Southside Complex this week. I'm Mark Madden, 1059 The X. Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 1059. Some media are saying Art Rooney, the Steelers' owner and CEO, that he didn't do the right thing because he should have taken more of a stand for social justice with this whole anthem thing. Uh, put it this way. I think his late father wouldn't have let this week's travesty occur regarding that policy. Uh, in general, the NFL's owners should have used their balls and backbone and actually made a decision. And if that decision alienated X amount of people, so be it. If the NFL lost 25% of its fan base, it would still make a ton of money. You can't make every single decision based on trying to get every single dollar. Then again, you're in partnership with networks, and they don't want to hear that cap crap. So that's why the NFL tried to straddle the fence in making their non-decision regarding the anthem policy. As I've said, the NFL owners are rich bullies who are scared to death of an even bigger bully, namely Donald Trump. That's funny and scary at the same time. Trump's discrediting of the media and saying he has his finger on the pulse of people well, the first thing Hitler did was put the media out of business. Uh, Reuben Foster said the Steelers will have no problem handling the anthem issue. Hey, isn't that what the Steelers thought? Uh, Ramon Foster, excuse me. Isn't that what the Steelers thought last year in Chicago? Ramon said basically that you got to put football first, that you risk too much by doing otherwise. That's true, I guess. It depends what you think is important. Artie Burns doesn't like the policy. He said it's bullying and humiliating. He's right. He's absolutely right. Uh, football really is ruined. It just is. And Donald Trump didn't ruin it, but he handled the final nail in the coffin. Trump took this controversy to a new level, and it's hard to not think Trump didn't do it because the NFL owners wouldn't let him buy a team. Remember that? Trump tried to buy the Buffalo Bills in 2014, and the league wouldn't let him. Trump is a bad guy, motivated by revenge, and he is a total douchebag with unlimited resources. That's a bad combination. I'm already getting the tweets. Why are you talking about politics? Why are you talking about Trump? Well, because Trump infringed on my territory, sports, so F him. At least you get to hear what I really think of them at long last. 412-333-9939. I've got to admit, most of my thoughts today are focused on the Champions League final tomorrow between Liverpool and Real Madrid. Madrid are the clear favorites. This would be their third European Cup in a row and fourth in the last five years. But Liverpool are masters on the counterattack, and their front line is better than Madrid's front line. Madrid, I mean, Ronaldo, yeah, he's the name. He didn't have the season most solid did. So, as always, I live in hope. Let's reset the questions I asked you at the top of the show. And if you don't want to answer them, it's because you're afraid to. 
if a Steeler took a knee for the National Anthem or stayed in the locker room during its playing, how would you feel? 412-333-WXDX. And what should the Steelers' National Anthem policy be? Let's go to Christopher and Apollo. Christopher. You're on with Double M. Well, thank you for hearing me. Um, I don't think that any of the Pittsburgh Steelers would ever hide in the locker room or in the tunnel. That media photo. They already, was, did, they already did hide in the tunnel in Chicago. Actually, they didn't. I was at the game. Bro. They were on the way out. And goodbye, they goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. You're lying. You're flat out effing lying. They were in the tunnel. Only Villanueva came out. You're absolutely lying. To what end, I don't know, but you're lying. Let's go to Derek on the parkway. Derek, you're on with Double M. Derek, are you there? Let's go to Dan downtown. Dan, you're on with the super genius. No, I think I was just listening in. I just wanted to say... uh... I, I see how you feel, but I, I, my, my, my thought is that this whole thing started um, during the whole, I mean, a couple of years ago, the Black Lives Matter movement. and um, it, it started with Colin Kaepernick, period. Right. Okay, yeah. so let, let's, get, let's get the genesis of this uh, correct. It, it started with Colin Kaepernick wanted, wanted to bring light upon social injustice and did right. so by first sitting and then taking a knee during the anthem. Correct. That is absolutely correct. But that was that happened because during during the whole protest in, in Trump wasn't president. He wasn't around then. Uh, the whole yeah, yeah but, the, but this would have gone away if Trump had let it. Okay, last year he had to speak up on it. He had to dare the players to, to take a knee. And then he's commented on it nonstop ever since. He's intimidated the owners. He's demonized the black players. He is a big part of of this blowing up and not going away. Could you that's possibly true. deny that? Well, it's true. He's definitely put his opinion out there. I, 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 that's for Why sure. does the president but, need to put his opinion out there on this? I don't know. Why can't he I, just I, meet I, with Kim Jong-un? Why can't he do his job? He wasn't hired to be a, a nutty sports talk show caller. Agreed. not saying that he did right by doing that. I agreed. I'm just saying the fact he did that. He put his opinion out there. But I don't... I mean, this you can't... It's opinion on him. I, I no, no, no. You see, it. you're not listening. I said he hammered the final nail in it. Yeah, you did say that. That's true. Well, he had his opinion, and, and maybe maybe it had some He doesn't need to have an opinion about this. He just yeah, does it. It's a classic well, example of don't look over there, look over here. No, I'm not He's providing I'm distractions from his own wrongdoing. Fair enough. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying it started when he wasn't even around. I mean, it really blew up. The whole Kaepernick thing, it, he wasn't here. He wasn't president at the time. He didn't, I mean, he had not, yeah, so Once cool. again, I'm going to quote myself directly to you and say that he hammered the final nail in the coffin. So why why do you refuse to understand that I said that? Uh, no, I, I don't. You did. You just said that. I just don't Okay, know well, goodbye then. Let's go to Joker on Route 51. Joker. Hey, Double M, big fan. Thanks. Yeah, hey, uh, maybe this would solve it. How about they play the national anthem at the end of the game where everybody's leaving? Yep, they're not going to do that. See you later. Let's go to Rob on 79 North. Rob, you're on with Mark. Hi, Mark. Um, 
So I didn't watch a single Steelers game last season because of that whole fiasco that happened in Chicago. And yet they still had the season. I, I don't care. And, and don't honestly, care. didn't miss Rob, the, the, the jerk-off from 79 North, one bit. Not one bit. Uh, you weren't missed one bit. Not even one little bit. You don't matter in anything, Rob, and you didn't matter in this either. But please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I just, I didn't, um, you know, it's, I, I, look, it just showed to me how much of a disconnect there is between what the um, the players' values are and what mine are. And I'm right. Not so what are your values, Rob? What are your values? Well, I just, I want to support the troops. I believe in America. This has nothing to do with the troops. The players taking a knee made it very clear this has nothing to do with the troops. You don't right. get to say what they mean. They don't, but I know what I, what I value. And, okay, but uh, what you value is nothing to do with what they're kneeling for. Unless, of course, I you're for social injustice. The, I, I mean, are you for social injustice? I'm not for social injustice. Well, okay, then you should have no problem with them kneeling. I don't have a problem with them kneeling. I just don't agree with the way that they expressed their, um, you know, with the, with the way How they should they have expressed it then? You know, if, if that's how they want to express it. Not that hard of a question, can, Rob. How should they have expressed it? They can express it however they want to. I have the freedom to not watch and not enjoy And I've already established that you didn't matter by not watching. Anything else that we can wrap this up? It doesn't matter. If it, Goodbye. It, We've wrapped it up. This goes for everybody out there. Nobody cares if you don't watch. I don't care. I don't care if you listen to this show and it affects me directly. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Colin Kaepernick did what he did. You know why? Because we have balls and we have backbone and we're not sheep. This world today, this country today, God. Let's go to Letty on the Parkway. Letty, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mr. Madden. Hi, Letty. I, I completely respect their position that there are social injustices and social inadequacies amongst many races, whether... You know, Asians, I, I, black, whatever. Fat people. Fat people get abused and bullied on a daily basis. Listen, you're preaching to a fat girl, so I get it. But here's the thing that I don't, I, I, I hate that we're losing sight of. At one point in time, when Kaepernick had his position and was making his statement, he's the one that came on the football field with pig socks on. Yeah, that, that was ill-advised. Uh, right. So, I mean... I, get I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some cops that description applies to. Absolutely. But, but no, that, that was ill-advised. That's the one wrong step Colin Kaepernick's taken. Uh, and I agree. And I think that they have the, they absolutely have the right to protest however they deem appropriate. However, I, as your employer, am at, you put... You oh, no, well, we, Letty, we've been saying that since this all started. The NFL has every right to uh, apply conditions of employment. But they won't do that. Like this decision this week, it wasn't a decision. They punked out like a bunch of weasels. They're trying to split the difference. And as a result, it's not a, a, a decision. It's not a policy. It's one giant loophole. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I also think that... How about, how about a bunch of rich white dudes who have been used to bullying the world their whole lives, have been bullied by this crackpot in the White House themselves? That that There's some irony there, and i got to tell you, Part of me laughs at it. It is. It, I, quite, I find it quite comical as well, Mark. Thank you for the call, Eddie. Good stuff. we got a bunch of people on hold, not surprisingly. We'll get to them in just a moment. 
Uh, don't forget, I'm going to be at Schultz Ford Monday, noon till 2 for the big Labor Day sale. We have a good time at that uh, at those holiday things I get together with the fans and the car people, the car buyers. So stop on out. I see a lot of the same people come every year. You know why? Free food. And it's good food. And me, I'm good too. 105.9. 059. Joining me now to talk about Steelers OTAs from DKPittsburghSports.com and the Steelers Radio Network, it's Dale Lawley. Uh, Dale, what's the Steelers anthem policy going to be, and will the players have input? Uh, I'm sure they will have input, um, but I, I would imagine that the policy will largely be what it has been. It's kind of been an unwritten thing that they just, everybody, they've all agreed to go out and stand. Uh, they haven't had any kneelers, uh, and I don't expect there to be any kneelers. It's, people are getting so upset about this, and I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I get it, but I don't. Um, you know, we're all told, with the possible exception of yourself, what we can and can't do and say at work. You know what I mean? Uh, by our employers. No, no so, I'm told that, but most of it I figure out on my own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you realize what you you know, what you can say and what you can't say if you want to keep your job. Um, there's no guarantee uh, of of employment in the NFL. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're not going to be employed. It doesn't matter how talented you are. And so, you know, it, that's every walk of life. Once you, once you outlive your usefulness, uh, or if the, the positives or negatives outweigh the positives, you're not going to be employed anymore. Well, no question. And if you hurt business, you won't be employed for very long either. But but on that note, Dale, I have no problem with conditions of employment being set. Like you said, we all have to deal with those. But I'm not sure the NFL set a condition of employment with their non-policy this week. It, it was more like just a giant loophole. So I hope when the Steelers set theirs, it's very definite and takes choice out of it. Yeah, and I think most teams, they're, they're almost going to have to do that because the NFL basically said, this is on you guys. Do what you, do what you want to do, and, and we're going to uh, you know, oversee it all, but we're not going to jump in and, and have a blanket policy that, that you have to do this or have to do that. Um, it's almost like the, uh, the state's rights. So it's very similar to, to what happened with the gambling issue two weeks ago uh, where the, the Supreme Court said, no, you can't. The, you know, the federal government can't legislate that some states can have legalized sports gambling and others can't. Um, and so now it's, it's back to the states uh, having the, you know, the decision whether they want to do it or not. This is very much the same. It's, it's going to be on the teams to come up with a policy. Did the Steelers learn from Chicago last year? Because that was a mess, Dale, and there was plenty of blame to go around, and it clearly rattled the Steelers on the day. Yeah, there was no doubt about that. I mean, they, you know, they tried to come up with a plan that pulled them out of the fray, so to speak, and that obviously didn't work. It backfired on them because of the, you know, it just didn't for whatever reasons or whether that well, because was because Villanueva plan. came out of the tunnel. Yeah, I mean, whether that was the plan or not the plan, who knows. Um, but you know, they botched it. And they botched it badly, and it, and it made them look bad. As it, even though, as I said, they hadn't had a guy kneel or show any signs of of, of any kind of disrespect to the flag, 
Um, that was the ironic was, part, actually. That, yeah, I mean, that was the irony of it all. You had other teams that had had guys kneeling every week, and, you know, nothing, they didn't make it on, you know, they didn't have CNN showing up at the press conference <laughs> on Tuesday. It was ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, they botched it, and that really did shake them in that game. Uh, there was no doubt about it. You know, I, I think a lot of guys were very distracted for that game. And that's why I think, you know, the rest of the season they, they had a, you know, look, uh, you, you heard Mar- Marquise Pouncey come out and said, no, we're, we are, we will stand out there, you know, at the 50 yard line in a line. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, this is not going to be a distraction anymore. And I expect that to happen again. Uh, moving on, Dale, has anything revelatory happened at OTAs? Has anybody impressed above and beyond what's expected? I know that's hard to do in the context, but, uh, has anyone done that? You know, I, I thought that the uh, all the quarterbacks on on uh, Thursday looked really sharp. Um, guys were dropping passes in. Uh, just really, they didn't have like for example, early in the week you saw for example uh, Josh Dobbs breaking the pocket and running a little bit. Well, that's a, that's a breakdown. They don't want to see that kind of stuff because that means you don't know where to go with the football. Or something's you know you, you don't you're not going through your progressions because there's no pass rush. I mean, you can stand back there for ten seconds if you want. Um, so that didn't happen on Thursday, and I thought Mason Rudolph was was commanding the pocket, and they didn't have to stop things and and restart. And you see that sometimes with some of these young quarterbacks um, trying to get a playoff and those kind of things. So I thought that they they did a nice job. Um, other than that, I mean, it's really tough to tell what they're out there running. All right, it's the, it's the underwear Olympics, yeah. not not unlike the combine. I, I get it. One guy I think's worth asking about is James Washington, the rookie wideout. Can he make immediate impact, Dale? And, and what job will he be expected to do? Is he the number three receiver right off the get? Well, I, thus far they've been running uh, Justin Hunter in there as well, and I don't think they're going to you know necessarily just hand Washington a job. They want. They want him to earn it first. I mean, if you think about it, you've got Antonio Brown, you've got 21-year-old Juju Smith-Schuster, and you've got 22-year-old James Washington. I mean, you want those guys to earn those spots. Uh, otherwise, you've got a lot of inexperience out there. And as good as Juju Smith-Schuster was last year, you do have to wonder how much of that was because he was getting a lot of single coverage because Martavis Bryant, even though he didn't have a great season, still commanded some respect on the outside. Can Juju do a lot more uh, in his second year? I'm curious to see, uh, frankly, because he spent so much effort in the offseason playing the star, I don't think it's unreasonable to wonder where his head's at. No, I don't think so either. And, I, you know, you wonder about uh, he's not the tremendous athlete that some of these other guys that came out. You know, when you, when you look, there were three receivers last year drafted in the top ten. Uh, none of them really did anything last year. But they were drafted in the top ten for a reason, uh, because they had some kind of skill set that was exemplary. I mean, you don't take a guy in the top ten, and you know, if, if he doesn't have, if you know, if he doesn't run a four three or something like that, and you know, Juju just doesn't have that kind of ability. Uh, you know, he's a four five guy. Uh, he's he's he runs good routes, and that's that's great. I mean, that's what you want out of those guys. Um, but his upside, I don't think, is as great as some of these other guys who were drafted ahead of him. That's that's just the, you know, the the, the reality of the situation. Um, I don't know that he ever develops into a number one receiver. I think he can be a solid number two, 
Um, that's for sure. But, you know, we're going to see a lot this year. Again, I, I think having Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown on the field with him a lot last year helped him out a lot. I think it pushed him, too. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Now, what are the expectations for James Conner? Is he really a legit number two back? Because of all the injuries, Dale, I don't feel like we really yet know a lot about him at the pro level. Yeah, and, and he told me that yesterday, that, that he feels like he has a lot to prove. He didn't really do anything last year, and you know, if, if he was constantly nicked up with something. In, you know, in the OTAs and, and minicamp, it was the shoulder injury. Uh, or I'm sorry, a hamstring injury. Then when he got the training camp, he practiced the first day, and it was a hit. You know, he went out with an AC joint injury, and then every time it seemingly he carried the football uh, in the regular season, he would get up, uh, you know, limping off the field a little bit. So it just we did. I don't think we got to see what he can be for sure. I you know I, I just don't think that we know at this point. Um, he is lighter this year. Uh, you know, he's thinned down. I think he wants to try to. To be a little more uh, of a, of a, he's never going to be a guy that makes people miss in the hole or anything like that. He's a big back, but I think he wants to have a little more speed and shiftiness. And he is one guy that kind of stood out a little bit. I, I noticed he was noticeably thinner. Uh, they list him at two thirty three. He told me he's he's lighter than that. I'm guessing he's probably around two twenty five, and I think that's a pretty good weight for him. We're talking to Dale Ollie of DKPittsburghSports.com. Dale, how will the defense adjust to best exploit the personnel on hand? We certainly hear a lot of talk about that. What's the game plan potentially? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of three safeties on the field, even in, maybe in the base package. Um, New England does it. Uh, Patrick Chung is listed as a safety, but he essentially plays a linebacker spot for the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, it's just it's going to be a mix and match kind of thing, and it's going to depend on a lot on the on the personnel that's out there for the opposing team. Um, but you can't get caught up in, in uh, well, this guy's a linebacker or that guy's a safety or that guy's this or that. Um, that's out the window now, which kind of makes it funny with the Le'Veon Bell arguments that are being put out there where people say, well, running backs don't get paid like it. You know, they, don't get, they don't make big money. Well, everything you hear Mike Tomlin talk about a lot is, is positionless football. Um, you know, a guy's a great player, he's a great player, and, and you find spots to use him. Well, that's Le'Veon Bell. It's going to be much the same on the defense where, you know, guys may be listed as safeties, but they're going to be playing a linebacker spot. Uh, and that's, that's just what they're going to have to do because, you know, the, the, the days of having a, a 240 or 250 pound thumper running downhill, uh, or two of them on the inside, those are over. I mean, you just can't play football like that in this day and age unless you're playing Jacksonville. I mean, you, it, you know, that's the, that's the interesting thing about, the two teams that gave them the most trouble the past two years are New England and Jacksonville. And those two teams couldn't be more different. And what you need to do to how you need to play against them couldn't be more different. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers uh, develop a plan to beat both of those teams. You hear about Watt and Dupree switching sides, at least occasionally. I've had some people tell me, Dale, that's long overdue. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, they're, they flipped, and, and I, I think when you look at Dupree on the right side over the left tackle, it kind of makes sense. He's a bigger, stronger guy than Watt, uh, and, and he's actually more of a, an explosive athlete in terms of straight-line speed. Uh, you know, And I think if you put him next to Cam Hayward, who's a guy that gets up the field, suddenly all those 
you know, the big complaint on Bud Dupree, well, he only has one pass rush move, or he only does two things. He bull rushes or he tries to get around the outside. Well, if you've got Cam Hayward pushing the pocket up the middle, and that's going to force the quarterback maybe to step back a little bit, maybe maybe that Bud Dupree runs himself into some sacks. The other part of that is, is, is this, you know, T.J. Watt on the strong side of the defense makes a lot more sense. He's a better cover guy. He's more instinctive. And, and this allows him to, to play to his strengths, uh, you know, in the run game, also in the passing game. It, it, it just makes sense. And so, you know, it wasn't maybe a move that you made last year because you, you had the open spot. And, and really, Bud Dupree had played well down the stretch two years ago when he came back from the injury. I think he had four and a half sacks, uh, you know, in the final five or six games uh, once he came back from that injury. Um, but it just he just didn't put it together last year. You know, this is this is one more opportunity for these guys to get it right, and you know, this is this is a way to do it. Uh, ben didn't beat up Mason Rudolph at recess uh, during OTAs. I guess that's a good sign, right? Yeah, and that's I mean, I, you know, Ben coming out and saying that he was <laughs> his uh, con- he was taken out of context, or his comments were taken out of context. Right, he literally provided the entire context. Yes. That was the context. You heard the entire interview. He said the, he said what he said. Um, but yeah, but Ben leads us all a merry chase, and I kind of get a kick out of it. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he is what he is, and you know he's a fantastic athlete. He's a tremendous player, um, but there are times when he, you know, kind of does this kind of thing, and, and you, you think, why, why would you do that? Again, when he made the comments that he made, it wasn't like it was a reaction. You know, that wasn't his immediate reaction to the drafting of Mason Rudolph. Somebody didn't call him the day after or even an hour after or anything like that. He had a whole week to think about what he was going to say. And that's what he came out with. Um, So (laughs) Ben is Ben. And, you know, the problem, you see this a lot with quarterbacks. And the reason is, you know, I I keep telling people, and and I wrote this on the website, it's because it's like the Highlander. There can be only one quarterback. You're not putting six of them on the you know field like a cornerback. You know it's just so the, there's only one guy. So you see Brett Favre kind of be a jerk to, to Aaron Rodgers. You see Joe Montana not talk to Steve Young. This happens all the time. Dale, as always, great stuff. We appreciate the expertise, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, Mark. Good talking to you. That's Dale Ollie. Read his work at DKPittsburghSports.com. You won't believe who ESPN has given an expanded role to. And it makes no sense given that they've been accused of being too left-leaning, and it may be that business has suffered because of that perception. I'll tell you all about it in just a moment here on 105.9. A while ago, a caller said uh, with great gravitas, well, because of this Kaepernick stuff, I don't watch NFL anymore. And I popped off on him. I said, well, who cares? You're one person. So I get a tweet from a guy with the unlikely handle of Beer Potus, internet drunk, who says, how can you say that people not watching the NFL didn't matter one bit when it was clear ratings were down because of the kneelings? Well, ratings are down because of the kneelings. And people have told me that they don't watch football anymore because of the kneelings. But ratings aren't down that much. It's not cataclysmic. The NFL is letting greed overwhelm common sense 
as evidenced by their reaction to a little problem that they have turned into a big problem. Some sponsors aren't happy because ratings dropped. The networks aren't happy because ratings dropped. But it's not like they're going to sever ties with the NFL because of it, because of a relatively minor ratings drop. Although Papa John's got shot of the NFL, but the NFL got together with Pizza Hut right after that, I think. So there's always going to be somebody there to sponsor football or to televise football. The NFL took a small brush fire and poured gasoline on it. Uh, I mentioned earlier that ESPN either has or hasn't suffered, depending on what you believe, but there's a perception that ESPN is left-leaning. So guess who they gave a bigger role to? Keith Olbermann, who peppers his tweets with F-bombs and F-Trump and F-the-Nazis and f the bigots. And, of course, Keith left ESPN under not real friendly terms. He's done that a couple times. And now he's going to start hosting some uh, 10 p.m. sports centers. And that's fine. Keith's very good. It just absolutely drips with irony. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Penguin fans will want to listen to the next segment. It's 30 seconds away because I think Mike Sullivan does a great job, but I'm worried he might get sick. I'm worried he might catch Dan Bilesma's disease. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9.